In a world where modern media pushes the bounds of imagination, two men embark on a journey to discover lost heroes, daunting villains, and heart-wrenching conflict. Join them in their quest in the never-ending narrative. Oh, that's that's great. Well, hi everybody. Uh, welcome to the Never Ending Narrative. I'm Matt Yeager, and I'm Pat Osmic. Man, Pat, it's good to hear you back again. It's good to be back. I missed being here. Uh, we've we've had uh, some special guests on while you were gone, mm-hmm. and uh, but they can't replace the real deal. Well, yeah, not many people can. Oh, man, I'm glad to have you back. I'm sure everybody else is glad to have you back. What uh, you were you were off adventuring in the northern Wisconsin area, I believe, right? Uh, not really northern Wisconsin. No, we were in a place called devil's lake oh over at devil's lake gotcha um, which is not really as scary as it sounds no it's actually, unless you're afraid of heights it's got like a nice uh little mountainous well as mountainous as wisconsin gets it's 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 hilly technically they're called bluffs okay bluff it was so it was very bluffy you got to hike around <laughs> and have a good old time yeah it was fun we got we camped and uh yeah spent the weekend there did uh, did you get to hear any new stories, or had you gotten a chance to read anything in the last few weeks? Have I gotten a chance to read anything? Yes, I've been uh, continuing my foray into Isaac Asimov. Okay, so I've been reading a lot more of his uh, short stories, um, and I read uh, just the other day uh, Bicentennial Man again, Ooh, okay. um, which is which is one of his. It's one of his longer short stories. I guess I didn't realize that was uh, one of his. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. I guess there have been two kind of offshoot Asimov robot stories. There was the Will Smith iRobot, right. and there was uh, um, Robin, uh, Robin Williams' Williams's Bicentennial Man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, you, speaking of you reading, you know, uh, we've gotten a little bit of viewer feedback. Really? It hasn't been good, Pat. Whoa, okay. Uh, some people... I shall not name names, but some people don't appreciate your take on uh, on books versus Kindles. Oh, oh, uh, well, hey, bring it on. I, that's, yeah, that's uh, not something yeah, I'm going to back off from. They don't think that you uh, can appreciate an adventure or, you know, a good book without it actually being a book book. Really? Yes. Because because the content of the story changes with what medium it's transformed okay. transferred in. You know what? You're using a lot of a uh, lot of uh, jargon and babble and whatnot. <laughs> but let's let's bring it back to the real deal. We all know that like whenever you think of reading a book, you think of like a kid like laying in his bed or laying on the grass, turning the pages of the book, feeling the pages in his fingers. It's 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 part of the experience, Pat. I, I can lay outside on a sunny summer's day and read on my Kindle just as well as, as any 12-year-old kid. I figured you would say that, and I think you just might not get it. I don't know. See, I, I think about it as as removing any extra intrinsic barriers between me and the story. <laughs> I don't have to deal with, I'm sorry, the poor ergonomic performance of a bound book and... <sighs> I can just sit there and and you know be 
totally enraptured in the story and not and not think about all of these ancillary things that um, that we had to deal with in the past in order to experience the story. You know, you're the reason why Skynet will win. <laughs> you do realize that, right? <laughs> well, it, Skynet shall enslave us through Kindles. <laughs> and I say this as a person who just recently bought the new Kindle. Well, there we go. Uh, Join the club. But yeah, so so that was some of our user feedback. Uh, we also had uh, someone actually finally found you on Twitter. Yes, I, I did see that. Uh, so we're going to have to figure out something to reward that person for taking the, the arduous journey through Twitter to come find you. <laughs> Journeying through the, uh, the, the haunted woods of the Twitterverse in order to, uh, to find me in my little hideout. <laughs> <laughs> and then just knock on your door. I found you. I found you. <laughs> and I'm like, huh? <laughs> You're just like rubbing your eyes from like a winter sleep. Like, who's coming to my hut? Oh. Yeah, I think it happened a couple of weeks ago, and I just realized it now. So <laughs> shows you how much time I spend on Twitter. That's fair enough. You know, Twitter is it's yes. its own deal. I, but but, sir, I do commend you for finding me. Yes, yes, we do. We'll we'll figure out something for that that guy um, sometime soon. Uh, I have been reading very slowly a book called Pillars of the Earth, mm. and it's set in Middle Ages England. Um, I don't really – I realized that after going through 80 pages, I think, that that was just the first chapter. And so <laughs> I don't feel like I have a grasp on where the story is going yet, hmm. um, which is fine. I, I – you know, the, the writing has been pretty good, and it's a bit – like the, the, the sequencing of, like, uh, events has been kind of slow. But not slow enough that it, I've, like, lost complete interest. So, like, I, I like the writing. I like the character that they're building in Chapter 1. And it looks like they're switching to, like, a different character um, that's kind of related. But, like, we're, now we're going to see where he comes from and whatnot. Hmm. Um, and so that one, so far, has actually been a little bit more adventurous because of the way he starts out as a young boy. Uh, not too many spoilers, but, like, there's an intense thing uh, that happens in him in childhood and just kind of, like, sets his his journey on a completely different path. Kind of like a hero origin story. Kind of, uh, except he's a a monk. Okay. Like, Hey, monks can be heroes. Monks can be heroes, but I think this is the kind of one that's going to stay near the monastery and just have an effect on other people's lives. Mm. So, um, but yeah, so it's, it's good enough. And I've been reading that kind of slowly, uh, how I do. And I haven't done the Isaac Asimov's yet. I think I actually want to, go to half price books and like see if I can get the books. Mm. Um because yet again I think that that might be one of the ones where I actually want to like hold the book. You know. To each his own. Yeah, you know, you know. I like both I like both ways for different reasons. I do like having my Kindle around and being able to just pop up different books if I can. Mm-hmm. Um have you seen any movies lately? Ooh, I was just thinking about that. Um I don't know if I have. I think Guardians of the Galaxy may have been the last one. Certainly the last one I saw in theaters. Yes, same for me. Um, but I did rewatch a movie that... I don't know if it like made it out in theaters, um, but it's called Premium Rush. And mm-hmm. I rewatched it on, on Amazon. And I kind of like that one. And it, what, it, what it is is uh, Jordan... Nah, Jordan... What, what's uh, JGL's name? I don't Jason know. Jason Gordon-Levitt? Is that his name? Oh, yes, yes. Jason Gordon-Levitt. That's like a tongue twister. Um, it 
it follow so he plays a bike messenger in New York. Interesting. Um, and I don't mind spoiling this movie because it's on Amazon Prime. Like it's like anyone can see it at any time. Like they don't, you know, they've they've had ample opportunity to see. Oh, sure. So, uh, so he is a bike messenger who picks up a mysterious package from this gal, and it it gets him in a bunch of trouble with like this crooked cop and like a bunch of other people. And so he's riding around New York getting hurt a lot, but like, you know, he's, you know, he's, you know, believes in the, in the bike messenger eat, you know, the, the, the code. Oh, okay. You know, the, you know, like whoever gave this to me, they're going to be the ones that would have to like tell me to stop. But like once he goes in the bag, like no one touches it. And I will, you know? I will die before I, you know, you know, give this to someone other than, than yes. the intended recipient. Okay. Yes. He takes his job very seriously. He takes that's, it very that's seriously. Admirable. And yeah. it's you know, what I like so much about the movies because like you have a lot of movies these days with like action and adventure and stuff like that. And you know you've got big car chase scenes and like big sword fighting and stuff like that. Like this guy is getting like chased around New York on his bike. Hmm. Which does not sound very eventful, but they they I think they do it well enough that I really enjoyed like the quote unquote action of him you know riding around in yeah. uh, car clogged New York. Well, I I don't know. I probably can't speak for everyone, but I know for me, sometimes I just kind of get a little bit sick of the crazy like over CGI, the top. over the top spectacle where yes. buildings are blowing up all around me and like a meteor is crashing into the earth or something, and mm-hmm. it's just like. I, I, I kind of want it smaller. You know, we've done the big stuff with stuff lying around the screen. Simpler is sometimes better. Yeah, you, I, I think that a lot of people can appreciate the the action of the everyday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this movie does that well. It actually, like, the, the entire movie covers literally just an hour and a half of time. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of back up a couple times to, like, show, like, how some person got to this point in the story and whatnot. But, you know, it's kind of cool. Like, it's kind of like that... I guess that 24 feel where you're like under the clock and like, oh, is he going to make it? Yeah. Is it going to go here? Like, oh, he's running out of time. Like he's got to, you know, he's got to go real fast and get huh. there. So the, the movie's essentially in real time. Yes. That's cool. So I uh, I enjoyed that. And that, that was the second time I saw it. Um, I saw it quite a bit back. And so I uh, enjoyed that. Hmm. Um, I watched a movie. I don't remember what it's called, but it had Keira Knightley in it. Okay. And it was on Amazon Prime and it was late at night, so free and like Kira Knightley's on the cover and you're just like, whatever, I'll watch this. But <laughs> it, it got really boring really quick and then it got kind of weird and I was like, nope, I'm done with this. Okay. So I can't really tell you too much about the story. She like married this Duke and he was just a weirdo guy. Uh, and yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Not a recommendation. I don't even know what the title is, okay. so there you go. Well, I, I will stay away from random unknown Kira Knightley movies. Yes, do that. Okay. Just, just do that as a rule of thumb. Good to, good to know. Uh, so today, we wanted to talk about a subject. Uh, okay, so uh, how this got started, this specific subject. Uh, Pat, have you ever heard of the Choose Your Own Adventure novels? Yes, I have. So when we were kids, just to kind of explain to people, like, the, yeah, this was around when we were kids. It wasn't yeah. like you know spanning like multiple generations it was kind of a i i have n- i don't know when it started i'm sh- i'm sure it's it's since mostly died out yes. since we were young but i do remember checking out uh the choose your own adventure books from the school library and uh and reading them when i was younger so why these were such a specific genre if you will uh these books would lead you through a story and then it would allow you to make decisions, usually between two different decisions, maybe three. Uh, and so when you would make a decision, if you made decision A, 
you turn to page yada yada turn to page 35 if you make decision b turn to page 46 and that's how you would go through the book you wouldn't go through just page after page after page uh and so but making decisions meant that the story would change you get to choose your own adventure uh sometimes that meant that you turn to page 33 you uh get abducted into a car and never seen again end of Hmm. story other times you would keep the adventure going and you get to do that um I don't know if there was like kids who were like, I don't know, like maybe purists who like once they like hit their end, they just never read it again. <laughs> but I was the kind of kid who would just like go back and be like, OK, well, what if I chose this? Yeah. Yeah. You would always cheat. and You would always. Well, maybe not cheat, but you'd always go back and play what if games. Right. Yeah. yeah you play what if games. And so out of that, uh, fast forward to the present. Uh, some of my online friends showed me this uh, this PDF that was essentially a choose-your-own RPG. Uh, you would start off as this character, and you would roll some dice to get basic uh, tools and, and some attributes and abilities. And then you would start on your adventure. And how we did it, because we were in a uh, kind of, I guess you could call it like a, a Skype-type program where we were all chatting, sitting in a chat room and talking together. And we would have to vote on where we would go in the story ah cool uh so yeah it was a it was a pretty fun time uh we did end up dying eventually which was good because it was three in the morning and i wanted to go to bed <laughs> just kill me kill me just, now just kill us now <laughs> uh so yeah it, you know it was kind of like a interesting take on that like adding rpg aspects to it and it was just a fun just story to go through on a saturday night hmm. did you, uh when you were going through that did you have any other agency or actions to make other than just choosing what path the group would take uh so you would yeah you would be given options to like engage in like an enemy or like run off into the woods and like figure out through there um but engaging enemies uh you would then start a fight and you would actually have hit points and there was a chart and like rolling okay. dice to see like how you would uh, affect them how much damage they would deal to you and so it wasn't necessarily like you would turn a page and die it was more kind of a uh when you run out of hit points, you're, you're gone. Okay. And so, you know, that added a little bit more like, you know, now that you're lower on hit points, you're like, oh, should we fight this guy? Like, we might not be able to beat him. Should we just run off into the woods, you know? Mm-hmm. Or even like we don't know that like going into like this shed would indirectly cause us to have this, you know, boss fight or enemy fight. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was all around pretty fun. I think there was just like seven of us hanging out and we were just having a good old time. Cool. And so that got me thinking about... Uh, agency in storytelling, uh, giving the the reader, the the watcher, the player uh, choices to make in in a story instead of just telling them the story. Uh, you know, you can you can do that in books, I guess. You know, choose your own adventures. Try that out. Usually, that's not how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little bit rougher to to deal with that. In a in a novel like uh, setting, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the, the choose your own adventure books. I mean, from what I remember, I think most of them were relatively short and small yeah. in scope. Um, because I mean, you you think about the the more choice and freedom that you give the reader to make decisions, the the bigger that decision tree is going to. Sp- Span out, and then the amount of material and new situations you have to write just grows enormously. Yeah. So if you're thinking like a novel length, you know, path through a choose your own adventure, that would be a ginormous amount of writing. But if you think about that now, 
essentially a lot of times video games have been doing that Mm. um, with the different choices that you make. And, you know, we it's it's just come such a long way these last few years. Um, You know, you feel like like so one of the classics uh, that you talk about with that kind of stuff is like Half-Life 2. Um, You get to make some choices, but it's it's pretty linear. Um, I I I guess I never really think about Half Life or or Half Life Two in terms of a choose your own adventure or having a lot of choice. I mean, the game is very linear. The game is very linear, but you do because like you know, it was one of like the first times that like you like as in like a first person shooter where like you really feel like you're uh, Gordon Freeman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does do a very good job of immersing you into that player because. You're, the because he doesn't talk right um and you kind of use your own ima- imagination to fill in the gaps of who your character is mm-hmm. well and i think i think i might be thinking more of half-life 2 episode 2 where you get to lead different groups of people yeah they made a deliberate change at that point to to give the player more choice and to have a little freedom there but half-life 2 just the regular game was very Yes. Linear. Yes. Now that I'm remembering, yeah, I'm remembering episode two is the one where you get more choices. And they kind of like, you either, your choice was to either like really do well and your team gets to survive or like they're going to just drop off like flies. Yeah. Which I would always feel bad about. Like, you know, you're, you're trying to like disarm all these minds in front of your group and then you forget that one and like the NPCs like being a derp and just runs over there and you're like, no, don't, don't go over there. <laughs> don't. Ah, oh, boom. Oh, he's dead. Oh, no. I'm yep. a horrible leader. Uh, or the, I think you got to lead the group over different parts where there was antlions. And mm, so yeah. the vibrations would call them and like all of a sudden they would just like attack your group. And like guys are just down. And you're like, oh, dang it. Yeah. Again. But th- that does seem to be one of one of the most common ways that games add choice and um I guess most importantly, consequences and permanent changes in the game is like the the death of a of an NPC or a mm-hmm. side character or something like that. Um, you know that br- definitely brings to mind games like Fire Emblem, right? Um, oh yes, where you've got you know this whole band of people, an army that you're building, and you're collecting people and you're bringing new recruits in all the time. But just about anybody can die, mm-hmm. um, and that. And the game just keeps going, uh, right? If you choose to play that way, many, many people will then restart the game because they're like, "No, I'm not going to lose anyone," and I can be like that sometimes. <laughs> you sometimes are like that. Uh, <laughs> I will not sugarcoat that. Uh, but well, like even even in Fire Emblem, when you don't even like talk to certain people, uh, you don't realize the story that you've missed, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, a lot of times, like, there'll be different characters who you encounter, like, a harbor city, and you don't realize that their brother just, like, come in on a ship. And if you talk to them with, like, a certain, like, with their their sister or whatever, like, then they would join your group, and -hmm. it would change the story. But if you didn't realize that, and you never talked to them, like, you're, like, it's, like, the story that was never told. Yeah. You know, and so that's, that's always fun. That, that brought a lot of, like, I guess replayability to Fire Emblem. I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Replaying it over, though, it was a very long game to replay. Yeah, it it certainly is. Um, but yeah, and so you've got that. And I think, like, coming back to, like, Half-Life 2, Episode 2, like, you know, you can add those. Well, and I guess even in Fire Emblem 2, like, it didn't, like, change the, 
the river of the story. It just kind of like changed how you experienced it and how you perceived it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like, you know, I mean, in Fire Emblem, no matter like how many people died, like you're still going to get to like the end boss the similar way. Right. Like the, the plot, it, it doesn't change the plot of the the game because you're still fighting the same right. battles. You're achieving the same results. You know, the, the broader plot points are happening the same way, but you may, you'll have different people. Yep. And so the battles will be different. You maybe use different tactics mm-hmm. to get there. And so that, those minor plot points um, in your experience of the game are different. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like going down like a, a raging river in a kayak. Like you could go down multiple times and like hit different rocks every time. Mm. And like, you know, uh, have like this, like, you know, hit the, hit one of the falls, like, you know, broadside instead of like straight on and have all these different experiences. Uh, crap. A a indicator sound just sounded on my computer and threw my train of thought. Uh, but now it like even, uh, now, like with like Bioshock, uh, at least Bioshock Infinite, I think there was different ways that you could go through that. I don't think it was that linear, if I remember right. I only played it through once, though. Hmm. Um, but Mass Effect could be pretty drastically changed, if I remember right. Or is it still the plot was all the same? Um, I I don't know. I think it, there are there are some plot points that you can change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's a point where you can make a decision, you know, basically on who's going to die um, or if you're going to be able to save a certain character from dying or sure. not. Um, and so those things change. Um, there's a couple of plot points like, uh, um, you know, what happens to the, the council. And there's a couple of decisions that you can make that kind of change the tone of the world a little bit. But again, I guess I would argue with Mass Effect that... Um, you know, the larger plot doesn't really change a whole lot. But how you as a character can change a lot, though, too. Yeah, I I, I would argue that the biggest reason, because pe- people talk about Mass Effect all the time as having so much freedom and choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true. There are a lot of decisions that you can make. I mean, the, the whole conversation tree, um, you know, is a big part of the game. And you can choose exactly what to say to certain people. Mm-hmm. Um but I think in a lot of in a lot of the conversations, um, you can kind of you basically end up in the same place okay. at the end of it. You know, maybe maybe you'll unlock something if you really push forward, kind of like by doing a side quest or say the right things to certain people. Um, but I think the biggest thing that makes all of the choice in Mass Effect work is. Um, in supporting the RPG elements of the game and allowing you to play your character the way that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause the, the, the biggest choices that I see in those conversation trees are, are you going to go the Paragon or the Renegade route? Are you going to be the nice person who's working with people and being the good guy? Or are you going to, you know, you're going to fight for the good thing, but that you're going to kind of be a jerk or about it and push people around. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, even even if both of those choices get you to the same place in the conversation, you can be much more immersed in the game because you can play your character the way that you want and set the tone of your character in the game um, in the way that you want it to be played. Even without 
the mechanics of the game or major plot points shifting really that drastically, you have the feeling of being more immersed because you can say what you want to say in the right. way that you want to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I like that's the way that like video games are going a lot of times in these role playing games and whatnot. And I wonder sometimes if we're going to get that in other forms of media, like movies and television. Hmm. Uh, because like, you know, you don't, you don't really go to the theaters and like have buttons to like push like, Oh, do you want to make this choice or this choice? Maybe like the whole audience votes on it or something like that. Sure. Uh, you could have like riots ensue if that happens sometimes. <laughs> I wanted to uh, save the girl. You wanted to kill her. What's wrong with you? Uh-huh. Uh, but I mean, we, so we at least do have a little bit of that, uh, with some of these reality TV shows. Where you get to like call in and vote for what happens? Oh yeah, that's kind of like a like a the mass of people watching the show all influencing the way it's going to go in almost real time. Right, and huh. so uh, for better or for worse, you get to feel like you have a somewhat direct effect on the story of, let's say, like American Idol. Hmm. Uh, you know, like who becomes like the final five or who overall wins it you know in the end choose your own adventure reality show yeah i guess that's what it is i you know i i guess that's how, kind of how i view it maybe uh because i don't watch those i don't really know the the whole in-depth mm-hmm. maybe it's all just a ruse and like there's just like one guy like <laughs> like looking at all the stats and he just like pushes a button like nope kelly clarkson's winning yeah uh, how, how, do you, how do you know that people really voted that way right you know is there any independent review panel or something <laughs> for american idol <laughs> truth in you know reality shows i want someone to like call out for that like we need to see the stats we gotta see it <laughs> i want to recount i know i called in at least seventeen thousand times <laughs> just myself uh but you know technology is always going farther and farther with pushing you know pushing all these boundaries you know we've got more interactive stuff like now we've got uh prototypes of like the oculus rift coming out um we've got even uh like have you seen that stuff where it's like kind of like an oculus rift kind of like headset um and then like you're standing on like this weird treadmill uh i don't know if you've seen that where like it kind of like moves with you i've seen what uh like a like a like a two-dimensional treadmill that you could run in any direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen videos of something like that. So, you know, you it, it gives you more of an immersion where you're just like, you're kind of like walking, you can turn around, like the camera turns with you and all this kind of stuff. And so you, I mean, man, that's that's just like pushing all the choices that you can make. Hmm. You know, you, you're running this forest. Do you go left or do you go right? Do you go left or do you go right? Like so many permutations to break off into. Yeah, I mean, we can, you know, with that's kind of just changing the input mechanism and maybe your perception of it. We can already, you know, choose with the directional analog stick that's where true. to go. That's true. Yeah. Um, but, but it is pushing that immersion more. Um, and, you know, you feel more of a part of the universe if all of your senses are telling you yes. similar things. Yeah. And I wonder if, like, you know, like RPG video games and, like, movies are ever going to, like, kind of like get closer to each other and like the Venn diagram of entertainment experiences, hmm. you know, like where you go to a movie and you get to make choices or uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, Hey, it would be really cool to have the audience vote on what ending of the movie that they want to see. If there's multiple you know, right. alternate endings or what 
decision should this character make? And, you know, it it might be kind of a cool, immersive experience. And, hey, movie studios would probably love it because people would kind of go back to the theater to see the other alternate ending or to see what would happen or, you know. <laughs> what, if you, uh, what if you paid for a movie, saw one ending, went back again, and, like, you still got outvoted for, like, the same <laughs> ending? You're like, no, 15 bucks down the drain. Well, you just got to bring enough friends with you or, like, start up, like, you Campaigns. know. A campaign with all the people coming in and try to influence the the, <laughs> right? the public opinion. There's, like, you know, people before the movie that are, like, standing up in front of the crowd, like, all right, I know that you've all wanted to choose A, but A is not the way. Like, they're making, like, slogans <laughs> for their campaigns. No, choose B. B is the way to be. Oh, you can have people organizing online. Okay, we're all going to go to this theater this time. Yes. We're all going to vote this way. Like Reddit meetups <laughs> and whatnot for all that kind of stuff. See, it'd be, it'd be like a social experience. Oh, it would you know? be. That'd be kind of cool. I think it would be kind of cool to bring a little bit more sociality into uh, movie going. Yeah. Uh, to tangent off a little bit, our, our friend Dave definitely brings a little bit more socialness <laughs> to the movies. Uh, we've, we've definitely had... Uh, like midnight, you know, viewings where like you get in a little bit early, and so like everyone's settling in and talking and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Dave always finds some group to like mess with, or like some random person to like get their attention. And now, like, you know, like the rest of us were not as, I wouldn't say as outgoing, because yeah, that's not the word. Yeah. So, but I guess crazy. We'll, we'll say crazy. <laughs> we'll say we're not as crazy as Dave, or we're we're more. Um... Uh, we're more beholden to social norms. Yeah, of like just staring at our phone until the movie starts. Yeah. Uh, but like you know now we're in, like you know we like all roll our eyes like oh now we're involved with this group that I've never met before and probably <laughs> don't even like. Uh, but yeah, he definitely brings a little bit of social structure to that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that could be fun to have a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I, you know, hopefully maybe. I don't know where it would come from. I don't know if it would come from like the bigger movie producers or like the indie groups that are trying to try different things. Hmm. Um, That's a good question. I don't know. I feel like, (laughs) I mean, I I feel like it's for lack of a better word, gimmicky enough that a studio might want to do it, especially with maybe some of the increased, you know, revenue potential and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know if that's something that like an indie movie maker would really want to do, or even if they wanted to, if they would really have the ability or the clout to pull it off. Right. I mean, because it wouldn't just be, hey, here's my movie, and we're going to do this cool thing with it. There's a whole lot of infrastructure and stuff that would have to be implemented to do it. You know, like going to the 3D, you know, movies. Right. But I do think that doing stuff like this and like thinking outside the box to adding a, a different experience for the audience is something that we need to start doing, you know, because uh, I don't, I don't like, it's a weird idea when we think about like the, the, the place that we're in where like people get most of their stuff on the internet, all this kind of stuff. But like ticket sales are still like the highest they've ever been. Yeah. Well, it's because it's, it's probably because people are impatient and even though they know they can get it on Netflix in six months, I want to see it right now. Yeah. Um, and and part of that could be the social experience. You know that everyone is going to go see it right now, and you all want to talk about it together at this point because this is an event that's happening. And that's – I mean that's mostly why we go is uh, because like we pick certain movies that we're just like, yeah, we want to go see that in the theater. We want to hang out. We want to take a group. 
Mm-hmm. And we want to have that that Saturday night experience, right? Or, but but even even more than that, be a part of the the broader social conversation, you know, in oh, society yes. about the experience of this movie and what it means, right? Because um, no one cares about like Batman: and The Dark Knight right now, even though it's a you know a great film. If you saw it for the first time right now, right? Yeah, your your experience of that movie, or or let's say someone watches Guardians of the Galaxy for the first time in two years mm-hmm. it's still a fantastic movie but you it may not be that hyped up or you may not be able to share that excitement with other people as much when everyone's experiencing it for the first time you know in a special way but what they can do is they can listen to our episode about it and just kind of reminisce with us that's true and that's uh, the some of the beauty of podcasting see we're, we're bottling that the excitement that came from that time and storing <laughs> it for future generations hopefully we've we preserved it enough so it doesn't have an expiration date on it <laughs> best if listened to by yada yada best if listened to while english is still the dominant language in <laughs> sweet <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, these are the kind of things that I would like to see that, you know, people in, in movie experiences try new stuff, think out of the box, think of different ways to do it. And sometimes that's even going back to older ideas, like choose your own adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's pretty much what we wanted to talk about today. Yeah, I know. Like one of the other things I was thinking of is going back to... Well, what did I... Uh, oh, I, I talked about non-player deaths, I think, being one of the most common ways of choice mm-hmm. in games. But I don't know. I, I guess I guess maybe that's not quite true. Probably a more common one is um, the player's own death. Um, oh, yes. I mean, because in most games, I mean, let's, let's face it, most, most video games these days are, you know, basically battle fighting games. Mm-hmm. And so it's you learning the techniques uh, of the game and, and fighting through. And when you make a mistake or you screw up, then you die. You're dead. Um, and that's one of the that's probably one of the biggest like choices that you have. What technique am I going to use? How good am I at, you know, these um at shooting things or whatever. Um, and if you're not that good, then there are consequences. There are things that happens and you die. Um, but what's really interesting of that is if you think about, okay, if I'm supposed to be the character, if I'm supposed to either be role-playing this character or supposed to be that person, you think about, well, your, your experience as a player is not necessarily the same as the experience of the character that you're supposed to be role-playing. That's true. You know, if you play through and you die and you, you, you know, you fail at something and you die, then unless you just give up on the game and never come back to it again, you're going to reload your save game and go back to it, rewind time. The character never experiences that. Mm-hmm. So you're experiencing a story um, that has stuff in it that, the character doesn't experience. They're, they're two different experiences. Yeah. Um, so it, so there's, there's really a difference there. And when it got to me to thinking a little bit more too of well, how, how does failure in games really work? Um, because you've got this one example of failure, which is, you know, the player failing at something, mm-hmm. but the character almost never experiences the failure Um, that is caused by the player they get to be just like brazen heroes never knowing what it feels like to actually fail exactly yeah but but then there are some other cases where okay there are failures and setbacks in games but those situations are almost always outside of the player control yeah 
something happens and the player gets knocked out or kidnapped or something in a cutscene yep. that happens. But that wasn't a direct result from any choice that the player made. They mm-hmm. had no part in that. And so when the character experiences failure or consequences, it's only the the character experiencing that. The player doesn't really experience that. Right, because they don't have the control over it, so they don't feel like they've been involved in that. Yeah, they may be able to feel empathy or a sense of loss mm-hmm. for the character, but they don't feel failure or the results of failure because they didn't fail. Well, and, like, you think about all the times where you start off a video game as, like, the most powerful person that you can be, (laughs) and then running into an unbeatable boss, losing all your powers and skills and levels and whatnot, right? and then having to start, that's how you start the game. Right. And you're just like, well, I I didn't really do that. Like, I, that was always going to happen no matter what I did. Right. And so, yeah, you're right. Like, how much, how much a part of that do I take accountability for? Like, none of it. Yeah. You know, you just, and you're like, oh, okay, this is how we're going to start off. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, you know, talking about, like, the 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 times where you can, if you want, uh, if you if you lose a game, you can just walk away. Yeah. And that can be your experience. And some people play uh, through some video games like that. Um, I know there's a guy, uh, Anthony Birch, who he was... Uh, he was one of the writers on Borderlands 2. Yep. Uh, and he he talks about, I believe it was Far Cry 3, maybe 2, uh, where you would play through the game knowing that if you die, that's it. That's that's the end of that game. You hmm. erase the, the file and that's it. Yeah. Like the tensions are high the when you The tensions are way high and your tactics are completely different. Hmm. Instead of just like running in with a you know a gun like, ah, I'm going to get everybody and then like maybe dying. You're like, you're sneaky about it. Maybe you're like checking some people out before you approach them, like to see if they're enemies or friends, seeing if maybe you just want to like snipe them from way far off Mm -hmm. before you even run into trouble with them. Yeah. Uh, It completely changes like the game, your choices in the game, your agency and like how I guess I would think it would give more control to what you're doing Mm. because you don't feel like you're being affected by the game as much because you're just like running into all these walls and then. Until you get over, like you, if you run into the wall and the wall kills you, now you're dead. Right. Yeah. I mean, in, in some cases, uh, you know, jumping all over the place, but kind of going back to uh, to Mass Effect, when games give you choices, you know, sometimes we don't really even perceive them or see them as a real choice. Mm-hmm. Like I get, you know, I, I have a very you know, completist mentality. Like if I if I see all of these conversation options and all these things that I can ask a sure. person. I, I I mentally like think I have to ask all of these things <laughs> because there's all this content here. I need I need to experience all this content. I want to get the most out of the game, and so you don't exp- you don't go into it thinking that oh I'm role playing this. I, I want to make this the best conversation that I can. No, I'm checking the boxes and looking at all the content. Yeah, rather than really experiencing it in a genuine story way. Yeah, and that that also I think if you ever wanted to break that of yourself, just go play Skyrim. Yeah. And try and pick up all the books and read them all. <laughs> because I guarantee you, you will break yourself of that habit before you finish reading all those books. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I never, I, I did not certainly read all of the, uh, you know, supporting text in Mass Effect and okay. all of the explanations of the alien races and technology. Yeah, the, I never. This, the, the, the conversation trees, you, you went that far. Yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. And yeah, I mean, like, I think a lot of people are like that. I... 
I'm kind of a bad mix of both. Like I do want to just like kind of like be the adventurer and like go through and just like this is the decision I'm, that I'm making, you know. Uh, but every once in a while, I'll kind of like hit the other conversation trees and be like, oh, what would they have said if I did this? You know, things like sure. that. Um, but yeah, it, that is a good point to show the difference between you, the player, having experience because of the choices that you make and the character, what story he tells because of the choices that he makes, mm-hmm. he or she. Yeah. Uh, depending. Uh, yeah. So I guess, you know, hopefully we see more people doing that with different kinds of media. Um, maybe someone might pick up the, the torch and like try to do a real like adult choose your own adventure novel. Yeah. Uh, Cause they were mostly made for kids and they were just kind of like you said, like they were short and they're just kind of like, oh man, he went to the store. There was a shady guy in a van out front. Do you go with the shady guy or do you not go with the shady guy? <laughs> Go with the shady guy. Oh, you were never seen again. Not go with the shady guy. You get to go home and have pie. You know. Uh, I don't think I ever read that one. You never read the shady guy. <laughs> no. Choose your own adventure. I no. I specifically remember like turning a page, like you know, thirty something, seeing like a a picture of like a car door closing and just like a sentence like you were abducted, never seen again. <laughs> I was like, oh no, wow, kind God, of that, that just got real. Yeah, it got real. Up in the library. I don't remember, like, really checking them out. I think they were that short that you could just, like, go through them in the library. Oh, yeah, maybe. You know? uh, but, yeah, maybe someone takes up the banner and uh, makes an adult choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah. <laughs> like, what if Katniss uh, never made it to the second Hunger Games? Oh. Because you decided to make one choice and, you know, they shot you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it Story over. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that might be also why they don't do that in movies, because like, if you make the wrong choice, your movie is 20 minutes long instead of an hour and a half. You're like, I paid 15 bucks for this? Right. Oh. <laughs> or then can it just be another, you know, 60 minutes of, you know, your family and friends mourning and getting on with their lives? <laughs> <laughs> like one long epilogue. Oh, <laughs> uh, like just slowly each person's walking up to the front. Oh, I remember Pat. He used to be such a good guy. And it's just, hor- just horrible 60 minutes of just boring stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe, ah, but if you never try, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. So all those movie producers with those millions, go, go try some stuff. Yeah. Be adventurous. Yeah. Don't, don't let us keep you down. Do what you do, what you do. Good advice. <laughs> so as we, we like to end each episode with our phrase of the day, uh, today's phrase is gung ho. Ah, so gung ho. You've heard that before. What does that kind of mean to you? Uh, it means, uh, I don't know, you're really excited, really energetic uh, ab- about a particular thing. I'm, I'm gung-ho for this. Yes. That's usually the connotation that we have today. The original uh, came from uh, a Chinese phrase, which was, I'm going to you know murder the pronunciation, uh, but it was kung, which meant to work, and ho, which was together. So like you work together. So as a team, we're going to work together. Huh. We're going to accomplish this. Okay. Uh, and the phrase was coined uh, by a uh, – in the in the early World War – oh, crap. I'm reading this wrong without my glasses. Uh, I think it was World War II. Uh, yes. Yep, World War II by United States uh, Marine under General uh, Evans Carrison, who would use the phrase in these uh, gung-ho meetings – 
where they would talk about like how they're going to get together and how they're going to work and like accomplish these different goals and tasks and whatnot. Oh. And so that's where the phrase came from. Ah. So you're, you're, you're gung ho as a team. And then it just kind of morphed into being, you know, really usually yeah, referencing a singular person, I guess these days, like he's really gung ho yeah. about yeah. getting those letters out to all the constituents. Sure. Yeah. You know? Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that's our phrase of the mm. of the day. I think that's one where you actually learned something new. I did. I had no idea that it would have an etymology like that. Yeah, that's, yeah. So that was that was a nice one. Cool. Uh, well, we wanted to thank everybody for listening to our episode. We know there's been kind of some rocky waters with the different guests and some of the audio being a little bit off, and then we we uh, unfortunately missed a week due to unforeseen circumstances. Uh, but we appreciate you listening to us and you can uh email us with uh responses uh at neverending at or i'm sorry neverending narrative at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter twitter at ne narrative uh or we also have a facebook group uh, neverending narrative uh so yeah thanks again guys for listening and have a great week see y'all later It was hard.